Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the sin of prayerlessness as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. They said, when they realized their wickedness, they said, pray for us that we not die. In response to that, Samuel said, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. In other words, not praying is sinful. Not praying is sinning against the Lord. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Now, if God has commanded us to pray one for another, then our failure to pray for one another is disobedience to the command of God, and disobedience to God's command is sin. And the Lord has told us we are to pray one for another. Therefore, we are all of us required to pray for each other. And God forbid that we should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for one another. Oh, that we would realize the awful sin of prayerlessness in our lives. That not to pray, not to spend time in prayer with the Lord is actually sinning against the Lord. It's sinning against his commands to us. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. Just consider the wonderful things God has done for you, and then serve him with all your heart. But if you continue in wickedness, just know you're going to be consumed, both you and your king. Now, Saul reigned for one year over Israel, and in the second year of his reign, He chose 3,000 men of Israel and he took 2,000 under his command in Michmash and 1,000 were given to Jonathan under his command, the son of Saul, in Gibeah. And the rest of the people he sent to their own tents. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah And the Philistines heard it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel was also had an abomination with the Philistines. And the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. So (laughs) Jonathan was out wiping out the Philistines, and Saul was around blowing the trumpet and taking the glory and and announcing that he had smitten the Philistines so that the Israelites heard that Saul had smitten the Philistines with a great slaughter. Now the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, and they really gathered the whole army, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and people like the sand of the sea for multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash, 
east of Beth-Avon. And when the men of Israel saw that they were there sort of trapped, for the people were distressed, then the people started hiding in caves and thickets and rocks, in the mountaintops and in the pits. <laughs> and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. For Saul was down there in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. I mean, this was a tremendous, formidable force of the Philistines that had come against them. People were hiding. Some were actually deserting, crossing Jordan, going over to the other side to Gad, to Gilead. And those that were with Saul were trembling. And he waited for seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. For Samuel said, I'll meet you there in Gilgal in seven days. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and a peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days that were appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. So I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now he would have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. In other words, he would have made it the dynasty of, of Saul. Now, Samuel is straightforward. What have you done? Oh, I forced myself, you know, and gave all of his excuses. He said, you have done foolishly in that you have not obeyed the command of the Lord. Anytime you deliberately, willfully disobey the commandment of God, you are doing foolishly. God's ways are best. God's ways are right. And for me to presume that I can do or improve on God's ways is sheer folly. If I think I can improve my position by disobeying God, that's sheer folly. And so the prophet laid it out to him. You have done foolishly in that you have not obeyed the commandment of the Lord. For the Lord would have established your kingdom forever upon Israel. But now... Thy kingdom shall not continue, for the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So here is Saul's rejection by God as the continuing king. And God is now searching out a man to take his place. And Samuel arose and went from Gilgal to Gibeah 
there among the tribe of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. Now you remember there are 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and um, Philistines like the sands of the sea, and Saul has 6,000 who haven't, or 600 that haven't deserted him. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. And one company turned unto the way that leads to Ophrah, and the other to the land of Shul, and another company turned by way of Beth Horon, and another company turned to the way of the border that looks toward the valley of Zibon, toward the wilderness. Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. thought that was interesting <laughs> in searching for my heritage. So at this time, interestingly enough, the Jews had not yet developed any forging kind of processes or, or iron, uh, the development of iron implements. Though the Philistines and, and all the people of the land around them had entered into the Iron Age. The Hebrews had not yet really developed the capacity for smelting and all, and, and they had not yet themselves entered into the Iron Age. In fact, when they wanted to sharpen their picks or their hoes or their farm implements, they had to go down to the Philistines to have them sharpened and all because they really didn't have any blacksmiths in Israel at this particular time. By the time of Solomon, they began to really develop in these skills. But at this, in fact, they were highly developed by the time of Solomon. But at this time, uh, they had not yet developed these skills. And actually, the Philistines had deliberately kept them from developing these skills because they didn't want them making swords and all and, and really being able to create uh, real fighting implements. So all the Israelites had to go down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share or coulter, the axe or the mattock. And yet they had a file for the mattocks and the coulters, for the forks and for the axes, and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. Only Saul and Jonathan had spears. Now, that, that's not a very well-equipped army against the 30,000 chariots and the horsemen. Guys, all you've got are sticks. You know, you fashion a club or something. But you're going out against guys with shields and spears and swords and all. And, and so you've got a, a small army, and surely you are mismatched uh, in, in equipment and all. Hopelessly mismatched. There's absolutely no way that you can go out against this highly developed army with their superior weapons and superior numbers and hope to have any kind of victory. You've got 600 men with clubs and sticks and you're facing an army that can't even be counted with spears, swords, shields. Which introduces chapter 14, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Now it came to pass 
Upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man that bears armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is at Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Etub, Ichabod's brother and son of Phinehas and so forth, he gives these guys in the background, you don't even remember them anyhow. Let me just tell you the story. Jonathan, the son of Saul, woke up early one morning. And he got to thinking, no one else was awake yet. And he got to thinking, you know, the whole army of the Philistines over there. And maybe God wants to give Israel the victory over that army of the Philistines today. Now, if the Lord wants to give the victory to Israel over those Philistines, he doesn't need a whole army. He can give the victory to one man as well as 600 or to two. It really doesn't make any difference to God whether we have a huge army or whether we just have a few, if God wants to give the victory to Israel. And he was just lying there thinking about these kind of wild thoughts, you know. After all, God is great, and, and the greatness and the power of God, he doesn't need a whole army. He, he can give the victory to just two men. So he woke up his armor bearer. He said, I've been thinking about something really weird and wild. I want to pass it by you. He said, I've been thinking, if God wants to give the victory to Israel today over, over the Philistines, he doesn't need the whole army. He can give the victory to just a couple guys. Why don't we go over there and see if God wants to give the victory to Israel today? <laughs> Talk about adventure and faith. I love them. <laughs> and so he and the armor bearer got dressed quietly and they slipped out of camp while everybody else was still sleeping. And Jonathan on the way towards the Philistines said, now we want to make sure God's in this thing. So when we get near the garrison of the Philistines, when the sentries spot us, if they say, hey, you fellas, come up here, we'll show you a thing or two, then we'll know that God wants to give the victory to Israel and we'll go at them. But if they say, hey, you guys, wait down there, we're going to come down and show you a thing or two, then we'll know that God doesn't want to get the victory to Israel and we'll get out of here as fast as we can. So as they got over near the garrison of the Philistines and the sentries spotted these two guys coming, they said, look at those stupid fools coming right up here to the camp. Hey, you guys, come up here. We'll show you a thing or two. John said, all right, man, let's go, you know, because it said they started climbing with their hands and feet, really just, you know, scrambling up that hill to get into the camp of the Philistines. And man, they jumped right in the middle of the garrison and Jonathan started knocking the guys over, and his armor bearer was running them through. And about a half acre of ground, they, they wiped out 20 of the Philistines, and, and the rest of the guys began to wake up, were all discomfited. They began to swing at each other and all, and they began to run and flee. And over on the other side of the valley, old Saul finally woke up, and he rubbed his eyes, he looked across, and he saw the Philistines all running, and he saw the battles going on. He saw two guys in the middle just really wiping them out. 
And he said, number off quick, who's missing? And they numbered off and they said, it's Jonathan and his armor bearer. Now, Saul at this point makes a foolish statement. Saul said, let the man be cursed who eats anything today before God has avenged Saul of all of his enemies. Now, the man who was so humble to begin with is now beginning to manifest some real pride. Saul of all of his enemies. God curse any man who eats anything today before Saul is avenged of all of his enemies. A foolish curse and vow. So the men with Saul began to pursue the Philistines all day long as the Philistines were in disarray and were retreating. And as they were running through the woods, there was a honeycomb and it was dripping honey down to the ground. And old Jonathan running through took his spear and put out the end of it and began to eat the honey and he was revived, he was refreshed. Actually, he'd been chasing Philistines all day and he was just about shot physically. And honey is such a quick energy source. Just, you know, it zings right into your system. And, oh, he was refreshed, and he took off again, chasing the Philistines. And God gave a great victory to Israel that day over the Philistines. But I like, I like the philosophy of Jonathan. I like the daring. I like the, the venture in faith. Who knows what God wants to do today? And if God wants to do something, he doesn't need a whole army. He can do it with one as well as a thousand. Let's see what God wants to do. Let's venture out and find out what God might want to do today. And I love those kind of days when you just sort of venture out to see what God might want to do. Now, as the troops gathered together and sort of surveying the victory, Saul said, let's chase him tonight. We've got him on the run. Let's, let's go after him tonight and wipe him out completely. And so they called the priest there and, and they said, inquire of the Lord, shall we chase them? And there was no answer from God. And so Saul said, all right, who ate today? Figured that someone had broken his vow because God wasn't answering by uh, the the priest and so none of the men would say anything and he said if it is even Jonathan my son surely he shall be put to death and so he said you guys all stand over there Jonathan and I will stand here and God give us a perfect lot they cast lots and it fell on Jonathan and Saul so they cast lots again and it fell on Jonathan and Saul said what did you do and he said, well, Dad, I really didn't know that you had made that, you know, that curse and all. And I was running through the woods, and I saw this honeycomb dripping honey, and I was famished, and I was about wiped out, so I took and ate some of the honey. And he said, my soul was revived. He said, Dad, it wasn't very smart for you not to let these guys eat. Had you let them eat of the spoils today, they would have had enough strength. We could have continued to pursue and totally wiped out the Philistines. Wasn't so smart, Dad, the thing that you said. Saul said, put him to death. And at this point, the men stepped in. And they said, oh, no way. For he has wrought or fought with God today. 
No man's going to touch him. No man will lay his hand upon him. I like the statement, for he hath wrought with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan that he wasn't killed by his father. So we see now there's a bit of madness beginning to enter this man. Started out such a beautiful way. Started out with such tremendous potential and possibilities. But pride entered in. And we see now the pride developing. And this man again who had such a marvelous potential is gradually deteriorating before our very eyes as he begins to exalt himself and turn from God. Now, as we get into chapter 15, Samuel came to Saul and said, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, Hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, he has shown a pattern of disobedience up to this point. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 12-15 through 15 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week. May God really begin a powerful work in your life. May the Spirit of the Lord just really rest heavy upon you. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place, that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light, even Jesus. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources 
that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.